Hello, and welcome to the Decorum Talking newspaper for the week ending Saturday, the 1st of July. This is David, and your other readers are Susan, John, and Catherine. The editor this week is Mark. All are members of Team 5. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Berkhamsted, and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442, unless it says otherwise. This week's headlines. Growth Zone. Talking Newspaper Thanks Secretary. And Fly Tipper Ordered to Pay £1,000. These and other stories follow. Here is the news. Hello, this is Susan. Major plans to expand Hemel Hempstead into an area twice the size of Whipsnade Zoo on land between the east of the town and the M1 have been unveiled. More than 11,000 homes will be built across a Hertfordshire district and city faced with a chronic housing crisis. St Albans City and District Council has unveiled its draft list of sites where 11,826 new homes could be built by 2041. As part of the draft site allocations, the authority looks set to expand Hemel Hempstead into an area twice the size of Whipsnade Zoo. By far the largest site for new homes is the 504.2 hectare extension to Hemel Hempstead on a sliver of land between the town's eastern edge and the M1. This land falls within the St Albans district. Allocating this land would allow developers to propose up to 5,500 homes with hopes that 4,750 new homes will come forward before 2041. If a development comes forward, local authorities would ask builders to set aside land for a selection of new schools, including an eight-form entry secondary school. The Maylands Industrial Estate could see an eastern extension with plans for an enviro-tech-focused employment location and a vision for around 8,000 new jobs. The draft housing master plan would also promote managed woodland and countryside connections beneath the M1. Land for almost 3,000 new homes could also be set aside in St Albans City, including a 1,146 bolt-on to the north. Sites in Harpenden could make way for more than 1,700 homes, with the suggestion for 762 homes in northeast Harpenden. The current set of core housing policies are 29 years old in St Albans City and District, dating back to 1994. In a recent central government planning appeal over a plan for up to 721 homes in Chiswell Green, St Albans, a lawyer described the situation as chronic. Charles Banner QC said at the time, the council is operating in a policy vacuum. This is perhaps the worst failure in plan making in the country. He added, with demand increasingly outstripping supply, the house price to earnings affordability ratio in St Albans has grown higher and higher. According to government figures, the average house price was 18.44 times higher than the average salary in 2022, the highest housing ratio in the east of England. This ratio stood at 12.47 in 2012 and at 10.53 in 2003. If St Albans were a London borough, it would be the sixth least affordable planning area in the capital. Some inner London boroughs, including Camden, Islington, Hackney and Lambeth, were more affordable than the Hertfordshire district last year, the data suggests. Council leader Chris White, LD Clarence, fears delaying the plan process any more could lead Whitehall to step in. Our community will want locally elected councillors 
rather than central government to draw up this blueprint for the district's future growth, as we're responsive to their needs and have a feel for the area, Councillor White said. The consequence of us not producing a new local plan is that Whitehall might draw up one instead, despite having little knowledge of local conditions. We'll also be prey to opportunistic developers who will try to force through unsuitable schemes. Getting a new local plan adopted will allow us to control where houses and businesses are built and, very importantly, where they are not built. This is John, and continuing on from Susan. In addition to deciding where homes would go, a local plan allows local councils to demand infrastructure contributions from house builders, environmental protections, and land set aside for schools. If the sites are agreed, developers could choose to make use of 46.75 hectares for 1,146 new homes at North St Albans. Council planners have said they would like to see two 50-plus unit extra care schemes amongst this new homes figure. Developers would also need to consider setting aside land for a new primary school, creating a neighbourhood centre and contributing to upgraded transport links. Another big parcel is referred to as East of St Albans, which could house 522 new homes by 2041. The authority would like a future developer to contribute to a new secondary school or set land aside for one, as well as land for a new primary school and investment into Oakland's college. Some garage blocks could be allocated for new homes, while the 302 space civic centre car park has been earmarked for 57 homes. Sainsbury's in Everard Close could become 92 homes if developers can put forward a plan which would take into account residents' shopping and parking needs. Land near Verulam Golf Club could become roughly 65 homes, with the proviso existing golf facilities must be retained or enhanced. A selection of sites has been put forward for Harpenden, including 762 homes northeast of the town. Developers using this site may need to put forward plans to upgrade Common Lane, a rural route, and set out how they are going to improve access to Catherine Warrington School. The council has suggested a developer on this site would need to contribute to a new primary school. Another large site allocation is for roughly 293 homes in northwest Harpenden, with additional proposals for homes on the Waitrose and Bowers Way East car parks. There is a suggestion to set land aside for around 593 homes called West Redbourne, between the existing village and the M1. West of London, Colney could see roughly 405 homes, with smaller sites suggested throughout the village. Developers would need to address concerns around both primary and secondary school capacity. Along the border with Hartsmere, Radlett could expand by roughly 274 new homes in Harper Lane. A public consultation is due to open in July. Decorum's talking newspaper has thanked its secretary for 40 years of dedicated service as she steps down. On Saturday, June 10th, the Decorum's talking newspaper held its AGM. After all the formalities of the AGM business, DTN Chairman Bob 
made a presentation to outgoing secretary Audrey Mackey. Audrey has been involved with the talk, Decorum Talking newspaper for over 40 years and has been its secretary for many of the last 40 years. Although a spokesman added and admitted, nobody can actually remember exactly how many. Audrey has been the backbone of the DTN and has seen many changes along the way, a spokesman said. Audrey later in the year will also have a significant birthday. That includes a letter from His Majesty the King. Bob recapped on all that Audrey has done and wished her well before announcing that she will be the DTN's honorary president. If you want to know more about Decorum's talking newspaper, you can visit www.dtnhemel.org.uk where you can find information and listen to the latest recordings. The weekly roundup of the local news is available via our website on Amazon Alexa, Google Home, or for non-internet users, they offer a free player and send out the latest news on a memory stick to all subscribed users. The players are free of charge, as is the receiving of the memory stick. If you know anybody that would benefit from re receiving these broadcasts, please do get in touch via the website or email secretary at dt-nhemmel.org.uk or you can call 01442 927 123 and leave a message. A man has been told to pay more than £1,000 after admitting to dumping waste by a garage in Hemel Hempstead. The Coranborough Council has successfully prosecuted Jake Putman of Hayesdines Road, Hemel Hempstead. He pleaded guilty to a fly-tipping charge which was linked to waste discovered in Paston Road. On Wednesday, June the 14th, at Hatfield Remand Court, Putman pleaded guilty to the unauthorised deposit of controlled waste. Rubbish was found by the garage on the 4th of September 2022, and as a result, the defendant was ordered to pay costs of £500 and a victim surcharge of £192 on top of a £480 fine. An environmental enforcement officer discovered a large pile of dumped household rubbish which included packaging with the defendant's details. This led the police to interview Putman as he was brought before St Albans Magistrate Crown Court on an arrest warrant in March 2023. He was fined that day, receiving a fixed penalty notice of £400. However, Putman failed to pay or contact the Coranborough Council, despite reminders. The Coranborough Council escalated the matter, but Putman did not attend when summoned to St Albans Magistrate Court on March the 1st, 2023. He skipped a second hearing nine days later, so the court acquired a warrant for his arrest. Council Robin Broman said, Fly tipping causes great distress for residents whose streets, lanes or alleys are blighted by this law-breaking. Clearing it up costs money from our council tax, which would otherwise be spent on improving the neighbourhoods, towns and villages of decorum. I hope this prosecution serves as a deterrent to others who might make this kind of mess. Sometimes it can be frustrating if we don't have transport or when the recycling centre is unavailable, and that's when you can use the Decorum Bulky Items Collection Service, which costs £50 or £77, depending on quantity. Decorum Borough Council, part of the Hertfordshire Fly Tipping Group, HFTG. This is a multi-agency task force, including the Borough District and County Councils, as well as Hertfordshire Constabulary, Office of the Police and Crime Commissioner, Hearts Fire and Rescue, and the Fire Agency, and the National Farmers Union. Over 30 newly trained police officers, the largest cohort in recent years, have been welcomed to Hertfordshire Constabulary. Family and friends of the 18 women and 17 men 
helped celebrate the completion of their initial training at police headquarters in Welling Garden City. Chief Constable Charlie Hall presented them with framed certificates to mark their achievement. He told them, I take a great deal of pride in seeing so many of you here, and this is the largest graduation of officers that I can remember. You're at the cusp of applying your training, delivering policing services across Hertfordshire. Congratulations on what you've achieved. Policing is a great career. This is the end of your intensive classroom-based training, but you will never stop learning as you serve the public in different situations. Of those graduated, 31 have started their careers via the initial police learning and development programme, the traditional entry route to train to be a police officer over two years, while four officers are training to be detectives on the accelerated detective constable programme, a year of intensive and practical training, followed by three placements while training to become a detective. David Lloyd, Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, said, I congratulate and welcome these new officers to the constabulary where they will make a real difference to the lives and safety of those who live and work in Hertfordshire. They're part of the record number of officers we already have serving in the county after residents told me they wanted to see more frontline officers out on patrol. The student officers now start their first postings, with six based in Wellin and Hatfield, five in St Albans, four in Chesant, four in Stevenage, three in Watford, two in Hemel Hempstead, two in North Hearts, two in Three Rivers, one in Hitchin, one in Rickmansworth, one in South Mims, one in Borehamwood, one in Buntingford, one in Hartsmere, and one in Bishop Stortford. The force is currently taking applications for different police officer training courses. Visit the Hearts Police Career website for information and find out how to apply. A midwife based in West Hertfordshire, who is dedicated to supporting bereaved families, received an MBE in the King's Birthday Honours List. Watford-born Jane Scott, who works at West Hertfordshire Teaching Hospitals, NHS Trust, was honoured for her services to bereaved parents and the midwives caring for them. She is the divisional lead for the Bereavement Project. She became a midwife in 2012 and has worked in nursing and care for over 25 years. Jane noticed a huge void in the care for parents after the death of a baby and officially founded the National Bereavement Midwives Forum, NBMF. When there were only six bereavement midwives in the UK, Eleven years later, thanks to Jane's dedication, that number has grown to nearly 300. Midwives receive support from the NBMF as the death of a baby is part of their daily working life. Giving these NHS employees clinical and psychological support is vital. Midwives share best practice helping to standardise care for parents across the UK and push for improvements in care for families who are going through unimaginable pain. They ensure that care is tailored for all families, particularly those from black and ethnic minority groups. Jane keeps her campaign at the top of the agenda by representing the NBMF, at meetings of the all-party parliamentary group for baby loss. Jane is seconded from Imperial College Healthcare NHS Trust, where she received the prestigious Chief Midwifery Officer's Gold Award for developing a renowned maternity bereavement service. 
She currently works with the West Hearts Bereavement Midwifery Team to improve and develop services across maternity, the neonatal unit, gynaecology and paediatrics. Jane said, I feel very honoured to have received an MBE for my work in supporting bereaved parents. I care very much that the standard of care that all bereaved families receive is the best it can be, and the staff looking after them are well equipped to deliver it. I would like to say thank you to everyone who has supported the NBMF and to all my amazing colleagues across the UK who every day support the very saddest families of all. Hertfordshire Mind Network has partnered with Boston Scientific in the UK to raise funds and improve awareness of mental health to break the stigma and support the local community. With more focus on mental health than ever before, important strides are being made, but there are still barriers to break down. To that end, a donation of £5,000 has been made to Hertfordshire Mind Network to kickstart the partnership which will run until May 2024, for a year with Boston Scientific, a leading global medical device company. Both will collaborate on a variety of fundraising and awareness-raising activities. This donation will help Hertfordshire Mind Network in continuing to deliver a range of mental health services for both adults and young people across Hertfordshire. Louise lewis Bres fundraising and engagement manager at the charity, said, We see an increasing demand for our work, which demonstrates how much availability of mental health services matter. This fundraising partnership with Boston Scientific will enable us to provide services to more people who need us. We count on this kind of support from local communities who give back to their community. It is important to have a holistic approach to proactively manage mental health so that we build happy and healthy futures for ourselves, loved ones and communities, said Amit Popat, country lead for UK and Ireland at Boston Scientific. Our employees are active in supporting charities and we are delighted to work with Hertfordshire Mind Network to raise awareness and funds for its local services. As part of this relationship, Hertfordshire Mind Network has also recently delivered mental health training to the employees of Boston Scientific. Members of a community in Hemel Hempstead are chipping in to prepare a trail of nearly 60 scarecrows. Boxmore Primary School PTA is organising its third annual fundraising scarecrow festival, taking place on Saturday and Sunday, July the 1st and 2nd. A map of the trail will ensure no scarecrow is missed. Yarn Bomb, Hemel Hempstead, is among groups preparing for the festival. Members of Yarn Bomb have created post box toppers, which will be displayed around Boxmoor. Founder Christine Alsop said, The ladies were really happy to get involved, and there are a number of post box toppers in the Boxmoor area. I think the idea is they keep them and put them out each year. It's a lovely idea and we're happy to support it. Emma Judd and Claire Sears from Boxmore Primary School PTA are leading the project, which will raise money for resources and equipment for the school. Emma said, This is a wonderful event, enjoyed by the entire Boxmore community. There'll be around 58 scarecrows displaying around the streets of Boxmore. It's our third year of running this and we're normally get over 350 people attending over the course of the weekend. We wanted to give something back to the community and do something fun that everyone's able to enjoy. Parents and families of school children have created scarecrows along with other members of the community which will form a one kilometre circumference from the school and joining the summer festivities will be special guests new decorum mayor, William Allen, on Saturday afternoon. Claire added, We've had a lot of support from businesses, and not just local ones. The Snow Centre, DJ's Play Park, and many other businesses have been specially supportive to our, our, towards our raffle. 
We've dropped leaflets with the poster about the festival to homes on streets near the school. And on the back, we had a picture of a scarecrow for children to colour in and hang in their windows. We wanted to do something to make people smile and spread joy. To join in, community members asked to make a donation and get a map from the school on Saturday the 1st or Sunday the 2nd between 11am and 4pm. A pet support charity helping owners during the cost of living crisis was named as the latest winner of a Hemel Hempstead Business Community Funding project. Hemel Hempstead Business Campus, Breakspear Park, named Pets in Need Hearts as the latest winner of its community initiative. Pets in Need is a not-for-profit venture which runs an animal food bank that supports low-income households looking after animals. It's the second winner of the Community Fund campaign launched by the business site. Breakspear Park wants to assist Hertfordshire-based charities or not-for-profit groups and services amid the current cost-of-living crisis. Both members of the public and employees at the business park nominate charities for a £1,000 grant and then vote on the shortlisted organisations to pick an overall winner. Watford Mencap, Hemel Hempstead Community Fridge and Pets in Need Hearts were the three finalists. In total, 353 votes were received for the project. Last week, Penn Mehmet and Snuggles the Dog, a volunteer at Pets in Need Hearts, were presented with a cheque for £1,000 by the marketing manager at Breakspear Park, Dina Mystery, to assist the charity's work in providing food for pet owners struggling with financial hardship across Hertfordshire. On winning, Penn said, We would like to express our heartfelt gratitude to Breakspear Park for their incredible donation and all the supporters who voted for us. This generous contribution has left us absolutely thrilled and deeply grateful. Continuing on, our dedication to animals is unwavering and we firmly believe that no animal should suffer due to their owner's financial circumstances which are often beyond their control. From individuals facing domestic violence, foster caregivers tending to pets while owners are hospitalised, homeless individuals and people with disabilities to those in rescue shelters or those impacted by financial hardships, we strive to ensure that all pets receive the nourishment they need. This donation will allow us to continue to provide food and resources for countless individuals in need across the county. Once again, thank you all immensely for your support. Breakspear Park is now asking for nominees for the next £1,000 donation. Anything will be considered as long as it is not-for-profit and benefits the people of Hertfordshire. From the nominees, three finalists will be selected by the Breakspear Park management team. Their details will be shared on the Breakspear Park Facebook page. Nominations can be sent via email and should include the type of project, charity group or service, what the £1,000 will be used for and contact details for the organisation. Write unknown if you don't know what the money will be used for. The closing date for nominations is 30th of July, with the funds being awarded in September. Dina said, We are delighted to announce Pets in Need Hearts as the second recipient of our Breakspear Park Community Fund. As a company, we firmly believe in our duty to contribute and uplift the community in which we reside and operate. There is a real struggle for pet owners right now to feed those extra mouths in the family. So it is an honour to extend our support to the commendable efforts of Pets in Need Hearts.
patients will be supported to get care in Hearts and Essex without having to repeat their story multiple times. NHS and local authority leaders are rolling out a no-wrong-door policy in the two counties in a bid to join up different care services. Addressing the panel, a Hertfordshire and West Essex Integrated Care Partnership, HWE ICP spokesperson said, NHS, voluntary and public sector care chiefs are due to meet in July to begin co-producing the strategy. At a meeting on June 22nd, the spokesperson said, it really will be about taking us back to think about some simple questions. What does your industry need from No Wrong Door? What will enable you to make the best use of No Wrong Door? What do I need to ask as a voluntary sector organisation to facilitate a really effective referral over to, say, the police, in a way that you don't need to either gather significant amounts of more data or really make the people that we're supporting repeat their story multiple times. They added, the only way we can achieve that is to make sure we're meeting everyone's needs in the solution creation. The HWE ICP team hopes No Wrong Door will achieve one of the organisation's strategic priorities to support our communities and, pla and places to be healthy and sustainable. ICP's integrated care partnerships were introduced throughout England in 2022. The partnership comprises members from district and county councils, NHS boards and trusts, the police, voluntary organisations and Health Watch. A former pupil at Long Dean School in Hemel has been appointed as the UK's new ambassador to Yemen. British authorities have appointed lawyer and diplomat Abda Sharif, who will take up the prestigious position in September. The former Hemel pupil, who originally hails from Yorkshire, will replace Richard Oppenheim, who will move to another diplomatic role. Prior to this, Ms Sharif was head of the Iraq and Arabian Peninsula Department in the Middle East and North African Directorate at the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office. Between 2012 and 2016, she served as Deputy Ambassador to Lebanon, while in 2011 she led the UK office in Benghazi, Libya. As an ambassador, represents the King and the UK government in the country to which they are appointed. They are responsible for the direction of the embassy and its work, including political work, trade and investment, press and cultural relations and other consular activities. Ms Sharif's appointment comes at a time as the United Nations steps up pressure on the Yemen government and the Islamist political organisation Houthis to reach an agreement to end the long-running civil war. Extensive international efforts have so far failed to persuade Houthis to renew a long-term ceasefire after a temporary truce expired in October or to end their drone and missile attacks on oil facilities in government-run provinces, which have halted exports and consequently compromised the country's main source of income. A £70 million investment aims to boost frontline policing services in Hertfordshire. New buildings at the Constabulary HQ in Stanborough Road, Welland Garden City, are hoped to allow police to deliver a better service while reducing the estate long-term revenue costs, as well as meeting commitments on sustainability and the decarbonisation strategy. Essential services and departments based at the site include the major crime unit, the force control room, victim services, the dog unit, forensic services, the senior leadership team and operational support staff. Demolition of several of the main buildings is planned to start later this year. The 1960s buildings have issues with flooding, heating malfunctions, IT infrastructure and asbestos contamination. Several modern buildings will be retained, but the main operational block and surrounding buildings will be demolished. The work is expected to be completed in three years during which officers and staff will be relocated to other buildings on the site or to temporary accommodation off-site.
Analysis of all the alternatives, such as maintaining the current site or relocation, revealed rebuilding on the existing site was the most cost-efficient and operationally effective option. The Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, David Lloyd, said, This is all about ensuring that the people of Hertfordshire continue to get the very best policing service they deserve. We now have a record high number of officers in the constabulary and I'm pleased to announce these new facilities will maintain that, mo maintain that momentum of investment. Committing to this once-in-a-generational opportunity is not a decision I've taken lightly, but this is a tremendously positive and cost-effective step for policing and keeping people safe. This new environmentally friendly facility is a key part of the estate's strategy, which is also committed to retaining operational police stations in every district and borough across the county. Together with the extra officers, this will ensure Hertfordshire Constabulary is fit to respond to the challenges facing a 21st century police service. A full planning application for the work has been granted by Wellin Hatfield Borough Council. Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on and any more news. After worse than expected inflation figures hit mortgages in May, homeowners face an anxious wait to see how much their repayments will rise. Here's what to do about it. The cost of living crisis has had a knack for throwing up nasty surprises for the past 18 months. The recent inflation news was no different. On the face of it, there was good news. Falling inflation means our wages are much likelier to keep up with price rises. The bad news was hidden in the detail. Markets got spooked by the fact core inflation actually increased. The fact that we are still talking about this news almost a fortnight on shows how deep its economic ramifications have been. The mortgage market has been thrown into disarray by the figures, with many deals simply disappearing from the market over the past week. We are not yet at a Liz Truss level of panic, at the time of writing at least, but a monumental spanner has been thrown into the works of anyone whose mortgage deal is coming to a close. After months of decline, mortgage rates are suddenly heading upwards again. According to comparison site U-Switch, as of June the 1st, the average two-year fix was sitting at 5.64%, while a typical five-year fixed rate had broken through the 5% barrier to 5.04%, having been 4.78% just a week earlier. So if you need to remortgage in the coming weeks, what should you do? Here's a quick plan of action. There are three main options at your disposal. If you're coming to the end of your mortgage deal, fix again. Go for a tracker or drop onto a standard variable rate, SVR. With forecasts now envisaging that the Bank of England will hike interest rates to 5% later in June before implementing further increasing up to a high of 5.5% later this year, and with inflation proving to be much stickier than expected, the consensus is that higher rates will be here to stay until at least late 2024. This thinking rules out an SVR or a tracker. SVRs are mostly running at a rate of between 7.5% and 8%, well above the price of a fix. Meanwhile, trackers look set to remain higher for longer. Most will already be above 5.5%, given they follow the movements of the Bank of England rate. The advantage of both is that you can exit early without a fee, potentially opening up cheaper fixes if, when, everything calms down in the mortgage market. You may also get access to lower rates much more quickly than you would on a fix. But both products are a major gamble at the moment, given the economic turbulence we're seeing. However, fixes are climbing and fast, so if you want to go for one, you must act quickly. I would recommend talking to a mortgage broker about it as soon as you possibly can. 
And continuing that story, if you're coming to the end of a fixed deal, the chances are that you signed up for it before the Bank of England began to hike interest rates. Therefore, the deal you're on is likely to have a much lower rate than what's currently available on the market. In this situation, it might be worth overpaying your mortgage up to the limit set out in the contract you have with your lender. Not only will this reduce the total amount of mortgage you have left to pay on the cheap, it will also mean you qualify for a better remortgaging rate. Borrowing rates tend to get cheaper the closer you get to paying your mortgage off, and lenders apply different rates to different loan-to-value, LTV, bands. So if you overpay to the extent you can drop into a lower band, you'll save yourself a decent wadge of money come remortgaging time. Before you make a decision, consider whether or not you have the disposable income and or savings in place to overpay and if so, by how much? Now, more than ever, is the time to talk to a mortgage broker. Their expertise is worth its weight in gold, and their contacts mean they can often access better deals than those available on the open market. I can vouch for them from personal experience. When I bought my house, my advisor could see the direction of travel in the market and held my application back by a week, writes Henry Sandercock. Teenage girls with eating disorders soars. There has been a significant rise in the number of teenage girls diagnosed with eating disorders in recent years. Since March 2020, when the pandemic hit, eating disorders such as anorexia, nervosa or bulimia were 42% higher than expected for teenage girls aged 13 to 16. 32% higher than expected for teenage girls aged 17 to 19. Even before COVID, a diagnosis of eating disorder was more common among girls from affluent backgrounds. But after the crisis, the gap rose even further with those in wealthy communities seeing a 52% higher rate of diagnosis. Those from poor backgrounds had a 22% rise in cases. The UN has adopted the first ever treaty to protect marine life in our oceans. At the moment, only 1% of the oceans are protected. The new international agreement, nicknamed the United Nations High Seas Treaty, will see 30% of the high seas protected by 2030. The high seas make up two-thirds of the ocean and are almost half of the planet's surface. The treaty has been talked about for nearly 20 years, and from September, the UN's 193 member states will have two years to officially sign up to it. The UN needs a minimum of 60 countries to sign up to bring the treaty into effect. Our oceans produce most of the oxygen we breathe, as well as absorbing carbon dioxide. They're currently under threat from pollution, overfishing and climate change. This week in history. June the 29th, 1956. Actress Marilyn Monroe married playwright Arthur Miller. On this day last year, nine Britons were through to the second round of the Wimbledon singles in the best team performance in a quarter of a century. June the 30th, 1960. Norman Bates was unleashed onto an unsuspecting world when Hitchcock's classic chiller Psycho was premiered in New York. July the 1st, 1937. The 999 emergency service came into operation in Britain. On this day last year, a replica 17th century turf and creel house officially opened in Glencoe, offering visitors a glimpse of how people lived around the time of the 1692 massacre. July the 2nd, 1964,
President Johnson signed the USA's Civil Rights Bill prohibiting racial discrimination. July the 3rd, 1959. The first radio broadcast of Sing Something Simple with Cliff Adams and the Adams Singers took place, providing non-stop songs for half an hour. On this day last year, Wimbledon Centre Court hosted musical celebrations before a full day of tennis on Middle Sunday for the first time to celebrate its centenary. July the 4th, 1968. Alec Rose landed at Portsmouth after sailing single-handed around the world in Lively Lady. On this day last year, the Rolling Stones paid tribute to Adele and performed a Bob Dylan song as they returned to Hyde Park in London. On the family announcement page this week, there is one obituary. Seamus Campbell, aged 69 years. May he rest in peace. Now, what's on? Theatre. Our house, Boxmill Playhouse, June the 27th to July the 1st. Hemel Hempstead Theatre Company presents the hit musical packed with the songs of Madness, based in 1980s Camden Town. Our house tells the story of London lad Joe Casey, who, on the night of his 16th birthday, takes Sarah, the girl of his dreams, out on their first date. In an effort to impress her with bravado, he breaks into a building site overlooking his home on Casey Street, which is owned by Mr Pressman, a high-end property developer. The police turn up, at which point Joe's life splits into two. The good Joe, who stays to help, and bad Joe, who flees. The show features songs such as It Must Be Love, Driving in My Car, Night Boat to Cairo, and My Girl. Visit theatreco.com to book it or for more information. Music, St Albans Symphony Orchestra at St Saviour's Church St Albans, July the 1st. The orchestra will play Musor's Creed Prelude to Kovanshina, Scriabin's Reverie, Defia's El Amor Brujo, and Borodin's Second Symphony. Visit saso.org.uk to book. Comedy. Hal Cruttenden, Old Town Hall, Hemel Hempstead, July the 4th and 5th. After 21 years and 224 days, Hal's back being single. But he's far from alone. He's got his grown-up daughters, his dogs and his divorce lawyer. And he's made a show about it. It's suitable for ages 14 and above. Visit oldtownhall.co.uk to book. Theatre. The Ocean at the End of the Lane. Milton Keynes Theatre, June the 27th to July the 1st. From the imagination of Neil Gaiman, best-selling author of Coraline, Good Omens and The Sandman, comes the National Theatre's major new stage adaptation of The Ocean at the End of the Lane. The show from the producers of War Horse and the curious incident of The Dog in the Nighttime is an adventure of fantasy, myth and friendship, taking audiences on an epic journey to a childhood once forgotten and the darkness that lurks at the very edge of it. Visit atgtickets.com forward slash Milton Keynes to book. Ballet, Capalia, Grove Theatre, Dunstable, July the 7th. The charming story is told both through the students of the company's affiliated school and experienced dancers of the company. Theatre-goers are promised sparkling choreography and beautiful handcrafted costumes. Visit grovetheatre.co.uk to book. TNF Soundings is a service provided by Talking News Federation, TNF a charity which is the umbrella organisation for the majority of the UK's talking newspapers and talking magazines. It provides free, high-quality audio articles for people with sight loss or other disabilities that make reading difficult.
as a non-commercial organization run by volunteers, the articles are designed to be fair, impartial, apolitical, and objective. For more info, go to tnfsoundings.org.uk. We're coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are 4.47 and 21.25. For those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill. Alexa will ask which broadcast you want to listen to. When prompted to reply, play the decorum talking newspaper. This part can be tricky. If Alexa offers the wrong station, just say no and then try again. For those who are listening to this week's news via a memory stick, after the music, there is the amenities section that gives details of various groups and the contact details of organisations. Please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it up firmly. Turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all you readers and the editor and Martin, your technician this week. Goodbye. <laughs>